disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary. Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. I'm your hostess with the most, as you could call me Rocky. Today, I am joined once again by Caden. How are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I had a little, a weird little uh, job interview thing today. Little moment. Uh, it's. I don't. I don't know how much I can say, but it's uh, for an app. And if I mm-hmm. get it, I will be making decent money. So that's, <laughs> that's good. So that's that's what I like to see. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank uh, you. Caden. Hi. <laughs> Adam Frazier, Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds, John Nagowski, Ben Gamble, Wilmer Defoe, Rodolfo Castro, Michael Perez. That is the latest starting lineup for the 2021 Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this episode is all about the 21 Pirates. Uh, we <laughs> <can> talk- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we are talking about the the biggest rock album of the decade. Unfortunately, the first album of the digital era to have every single song go gold. Blurry face. Yeah, <laughs> one of the most um, one of the most albums of all time. I would say I I could definitely get behind that. Tell me about <laughs> you and Blurry Face. Oh, great! Me and Blurry Face go way back. Um, so I was a avid clicky, um, as you would call it in high school, um, like a super fan, if you will. Uh, and I got into Toronto Pilots right around the time that Blurryface came out. Um, I think Mm. the first time I ever heard was like car radio. And then like two weeks later, Blurryface dropped. (laughs) Um, and so I have a pretty long history with Blurryface. I went to a couple concerts during that, uh, era, including um, Tour de Columbus, which was in, I went to their hometown of Columbus, Ohio, and saw them in concert, um, <laughs> which is actually very embarrassing. But um, yeah, I was a very avid Toronto Pilots, I still am a very avid Toronto Pilots listener, and um, it all started with Flirty Faith, so I'm very, very familiar with the album, if you will. Very nice. Uh, I the the blurry face rollout was also my introduction to Twenty One Pilots. Mm-hmm. It was um, you know I was on Tumblr at the time and I had a lot of friends who were into them and it was really yeah. I think I feel like it was before singles were being released and it was just like these first couple hints were coming out and everyone was like what's going on here and that was yeah. like that, that that was my first exposure to the band and then I think I think Tear in My Heart was the first song of theirs that I heard uh, and we'll you know we'll get to that later but. Um, yeah, I my opinion on Blurry Face at the time, I liked it. I, you know, I liked Tearing My Heart enough to start following. I never really considered myself a fan, but I liked the album. And um, I didn't like their older stuff when I listened to it. I yeah. my my general feeling is that everything before up to up until now, because I've re-listened to the album and yeah, it's a different mm-hmm. context, but my my feeling has been that everything before Blurry Face I don't like. Blurry face is fine. Trench is probably overall better. Uh, Scaled and icy is fine. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like a lot of people have yeah. the opposite um, opinion, especially a lot of like long, I guess, longtime fans. They have the um, the nostalgia to go with it. But a lot of people tend to be sure. like Blurryface with their last good album, and then Trench and Scaled and icy are atrocious compared. <laughs> 
Well, ain't that ain't that interesting? Yeah. So, so you know, clearly we both have a bit of history with this album. Um, it's it's definitely uh, a polarizing album, isn't yeah. it? It's, you, you know, <laughs> it's something that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, I, I feel like, you know, 21 Pilots is a very, you know, divisive band. And I feel like, th- you know, this was their big, like, commercially successful album. So when people yeah, are talking about the band, a lot of people are really talking about Blurry Face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and Stressed Out, very, like, in particular. <laughs> stressed Out, absolutely. So uh, a little bit of uh, history as we have here. I have uh, I have history on like everything up until Blurry Face and I figure you might know more about the rollout of Blurry Face specifically. Mm-hmm. I know a bit about like the, I guess sort of like the fan side of stuff because there was the whole thing with like the album being leaked and like the Twitter account and everything like that. Um, so I have a couple of things about that. There's not a whole lot of like precise dates because um, pretty much everything was like deleted off the internet right after the album came out. Um, so it's right. hard to find like a, a compilation of everything up until the rollout, but I have some stuff. All right. So uh, let's start from the very beginning here. Tyler Joseph was born in Columbus, Ohio in 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first exposure to music uh, was the Christian rap rock group DC Talk. Uh and you know, I think I think you can you, <laughs> you, can, you can see the influence there, maybe. But oh, uh, he developed an, an interest in music, you know, sometime in high school. Uh, at that time, he was point guard for uh, the Worthington Christian basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, he would later turn down a basketball scholarship to uh, pursue music. I don't know if that's exactly right, but the yeah, scholarship right. was somewhere else. He ended up he ended up going to OSU. Uh, in two thousand seven, he started. A, he started a YouTube channel called Slushy Guys that mm-hmm. uh, has six videos and like 150,000 subscribers. Yeah, they, I think they have a, at least a silver play button by now. Um, yeah, must, must be. And then uh, he also started working on his debut album, No Fun Intended. Mm-hmm. That album uh, would be released in 2008 independently um, through one of those, you know, mid-2000 streaming services. Yeah. Uh, and some of the songs on it would later be like repurposed into 21 Pilots records. Yeah. It's actually a lot of like debate about like which demos that have been found were really from that album and like what, what the actual track list of that album was. But, mm-hmm. but you know, some of the songs were repurposed at the very yeah. least. It actually wasn't supposed to, um, I think Tyler said this in an interview like pretty recently, like the album wasn't supposed to like go big. He was kind of just like gave it to a couple family and friends and then like posted it online just for like one i don't even think he was the one who posted it online i think like some friend mm. had the tape and posted it online um and then it blew up because the fan base got so big um oh yeah, yeah. That, i'm sure i'm sure and that, that would explain why the version of the album that is around is like kind of slapdash and yeah you know it's not not clear what's really on there uh, but uh, Tyler's friend Nick Thomas had contributed uh, guitar for that album, mm-hmm. and while at Ohio State University, he was Tyler was introduced to uh, Chris Sale at a party. Uh, the two uh, quickly began to discuss starting a band. Chris Sale was a drummer, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, Nick Thomas was invited to join just before their first performance. Yeah. Uh, at, at at the time, this was an unnamed band, but in two thousand nine. They moved into a house together and they began conceptualizing and recording their first album, 21 Pilots. The hit song, uh, album by 21 Pilots. 
That's right. It's actually so weird. Sorry, it's so weird hearing people like call it Toronto Pilots because like I've only heard it called self-titled to the point where I consider the album called self-titled. Um, mm. So hearing like, oh, Toronto Pilots by Toronto Pilots, I'm like, did I miss an album? Hello. Oh. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting in that like they probably, they, you know, I'm sure they had the name for the band before the album, but they started conceptualizing the album before the band had a name. So it's mm-hmm. like, which came first, you know? <laughs> Chicken or the egg? Uh, yeah, chicken or the egg. Uh, the band initially performed at a wide variety of venues in the Columbus area. They were like, they they take whatever they could get. So they were at, oh, you yeah. know, metal venues and electronic venues. And they started to incorporate all those different sounds into their music to try and, you know, reel in an audience. They were also mm-hmm. doing like Battle of the Band stuff, experimenting with like costumes and acrobatics, just, you know, really trying to build uh, mm-hmm. in this time around 2009, 2010. Let's see. Uh, they released a couple songs on SoundCloud in 2010. Uh, one of the songs they released was Time to Say Goodbye, uh, which would be the first song that uh, future drummer uh, Josh Dunn heard. Yeah. Uh, he he had think. previously worked for another Christian group, House of Heroes, mm-hmm. uh, and he was chosen to replace uh, Chris Solly when he left the band in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two had worked together at Guitar Center. And a month later, uh, Nick Thomas leaves as well. So that's yeah. that's where the the classic Josh Dunn, Tyler Joseph lineup comes from. I think um, Josh actually, like, sorry, I have like a ton of anecdotes because um, I've just been in this fan base for so long. Um, but I believe Josh was asked to join the band like the day before our concert. They were like, hey, do you want to fill in for our drummer? I'm, yeah, our drummer like this day. And he was like, yeah, I have work, but I'll just quit my job. Um, and so he <laughs> quit his job at Guitar Center to um, not even knowing that he was going to be in the band, just that he thought he was going to be like subbing in for someone. Um, and then he ended up becoming the drummer for the band. It's good stuff. And so like a month after, a month after Nick Thomas leaves, which is a month after uh, Chris Ali leaves, mm-hmm. the the second album comes out regional at best. Mm-hmm. And so and so because because this this album was made like while they were between members, it's pretty much just Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing everything on his computer. Yeah. And uh, they did a Midwestern tour for that album. Uh, they documented it on their YouTube channel mm-hmm. and they built up a lot of steam on that tour, it seems like. Like, like, yeah. like there's obviously the, you know, doing all these different gigs in Columbus and building up a base there, but like, they were starting to sell out. They started selling out venues over the course of this tour and the venues got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And then at the second to last stop on this same tour in April, 2012, they announced that they had been signed to Fueled by Ramen. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know, that's the tour where everything happened. Basically. Yeah. But, but so they, you know, quickly, once they got signed, they started working on their studio debut vessel, which included a lot of retooled songs for regional at best. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, it was produced by Greg Wells, who the year before had been nominated for a Grammy for his work on Katy Perry's Teenage Dream. Interesting. Yeah, their uh, commercial debut was the single Holding On To You, uh, which was critically and commercially successful it debuted in the top 40 on the alt charts eventually climbed to number 10 uh in 2013 which was the same year the 21 pilots was nominated for artists to watch at the 2013 uh vmas mm-hmm. and so vessel released in january 2013 also pretty successful uh mm-hmm. some critics were big fans some were not 
this is a quote from Rolling Stone's Dave DiMartino. The duo has somehow managed to take the most disagreeable and obnoxious aspects of the past decade's rap rock legacy, throw in some of the most aggravating melodic aspects of Linkin Park and Blink-182, and put together a new album that will surely make you want to decry ever liking rock and roll. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always forget that they're like considered rock and roll, considering like Tyler Joseph was playing a ukulele half the time. Right. Yeah. It, it's it, it's interesting to see this um, distaste that some people have for the band that was really there from the beginning in a way. And I, I think mm-hmm. we can get into, we'll get into like the style of this album here, but you know, it. I think it, it's interesting to consider like, why you know why like like why people care so much that's kind of what what the whole show is about but yeah um but the this the vessel it had this crazy unprecedented shelf life it made billboards year-end chart in 2015 2016 and 2017 having come out in january of 2013 (laughs) uh it actually it reached its highest position three years after its release date um, and then in 2019, it was certified double platinum and it was announced that I had said earlier that every song on blurry face went gold. Every song on vessel also went gold, yeah. making 21 pilots, the first and only band to accomplish that feat with two different albums. Yep. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I, cause 21 pilots, like they they were big, but like, you don't think of them as that big. And I think it's just right. cause their fans are literally insane um <laughs> yeah yeah and like they were the, like you know the success of the, the, that like every song on the album being gold thing is definitely a result of the fans there was also like yes. there was definitely a six-month window where they were huge and mm-hmm. it was probably part part of it was like you know they were rock and they were kind of Linkin Park adjacent and there wasn't really anything else like that like coming out with the kind of push mm-hmm. that they had um yeah i guess we'll get into it uh so after vessel comes out you know they continue to climb in 2014 they play bonnaroo Lollapalooza, coachella they perform car radio at the mtv movie awards they perform it on late night with seth myers and they embark on the quiet as violent world tour uh and it's while they're on that tour that they begin working with major pop producers like mike elizondo and ricky reed on songs that would eventually wind up on their next album blurry face Mm -hmm. So that gets us into the blurry face era. Um, I'd like to hear if you have any stories or notes on the blurry face rollout uh, before we get into the album proper. Yeah, uh, I mean, I so I got into Twin Pals like right after blurry face came out. So I wasn't kind of around for, I guess what you would call the lore of the album. Um, but like, obviously you're in the fan base for long enough and you like hear the stories and then it sort of like happened again with Trench. So, um, a lot of the accounts came back and like the websites and stuff, but, uh, basically Toronto Pilots, um, no one really knows who started the account, but a random account called Blurryface, like at Blurryface showed up, um, way before the album was even announced. Um, and everyone kind of thought it was just a joke um, and no, no one could really find it for a while. But like once people started finding it, everyone thought it was like, oh, it was just like a fan doing stuff. But then it started like tweeting lyrics and pictures of the band and like concert um, footage and stuff. People were like, okay, this is weird, but like it might still be a fan. Um, and then I believe it was either the night that Stressed Out came out or like right after Stressed Out came out, they posted like a video that if you like, 
pitched it up and reversed it was stressed out like way before like because it was like on top of concert footage so it was like way before like a concert could even have happened and they're like oh this is the band um and it was just it was people suspect it was tyler because tyler likes doing all this weird cryptic stuff um and he just posted like a bunch of stuff um he would hint track names before they came out i think he hinted at stressed out lane boy and ride all before they came out and then um once heathens came out also heathens um there would be like website links that when you like went to the website you could like find like binary in like the code and then you could bring that to like google maps and like find things it was like wild like people were like scouring the internet um and then 10 days before the album came out like officially actually tyler leaked the entire thing on um some random website called ghost tunes so basically like blurry face tweeted like it's out there go find it or something and the fans scoured the entire internet finding it and they eventually found it um and yeah it was like 10 days it was 10 days before the album came out it was up for I think less than 24 hours um for like purchase and then it was taken down again um but yeah so the album technically um a bunch of people were listening to it way before it came out which is funny because then Trench came out and Trench got leaked early and Tyler was mad about it um, so he chose to leak his first, uh, like not his first album, but he chose to leak Blurry Face. And then once Trench got leaked by some random person, he was like pissed, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, so there's like a ton of, um, again, like the lore came up again during Trench, but um, there's a lot of, I'm saying like quote unquote lore because he sort of started, I think Blurry Face was the first album where he started building like this story around his albums um, and like these characters and how like Blurry Face is a character and like, Blurry Face then ties into Trench, which ties into the new album, Spilled and Icy. Um, but that Twitter account was like the blueprint for um, all the cryptic stuff that like Tom Paz is known for and like their fan base nowadays. Absolutely. Um, first of all, you mentioned Heathens and that's something that I sort of forgot about in my <laughs> 21 Pilots overview. Heathens to me is one of the worst songs of my lifetime. It's bad. <laughs> It's it, it's like 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 it, even though I'm a, a 21 Pilots apologist at times, <laughs> I I really I, I really have it out for heathens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, same, no, uh, I'm the same way. In terms of the blurry phase rollout, as I was saying, I started to pay attention when I would see a lot of posts on Tumblr about that Twitter account and mm -hmm. uh, this, you know this was while it was tweeting and it was it was probably one of my like late night rabbit holes of like just just looking through you know some long explanation posts of like here's the here's the post and here's what they mean yeah. and uh you know nowadays i pay attention to like every album rollout but this was one of the one of the few from before that time where it like kind of hit me organically and i think there's mm -hmm. something worth saying about that it, it, it's interesting the, the the organic nature of that rollout because First of all, 21 Pilots has always had a weird relationship to the idea of being organic because they are definitely very invested in selling themselves and they there are moments on this album where they talk about like how even though so much of the album is about like defying making hits and being pop stars, mm -hmm. they are also definitely doing that on this album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so with this rollout, it's like they had this, you know, the reason I found out about it is because I was friends with people who were fans or friends with people who were friends with people who were fans. And because the fan base was so jazzed about this rollout, that's, that's how it got to me. Someone yeah. who had pretty much never heard of them before. Um, so yeah, I don't know that, <laughs> that that's sort of the, uh, 
that's sort of all I have to say about the rollout. Um, yeah, I think um, I think a big thing that I sort of see like happening with every album rollout with Twin Pilots is that like they are both trying because Tyler has talked in length in interviews about how like desperate they were to make it big and like how hard they work to make it big. Um, but they also like try so desperately to appeal like only to their fans and try to make it seem like they're they only care about their fans and they like don't really care about their like outside influence but like it's obvious that they do because Tyler has talked in length about how he wanted to get big and how he wanted to make a living off of this but like he has songs about like just his fans and like he talks to on his Twitter account like just to his fans and then you have like 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 I'm saying like this blurry face Twitter account and you have like the Dima stuff with Trench that was like no like regular listener is going to go out of their way to like try and find this stuff it's like it's for the fans and like the album is leaked you know early so that fans can listen to it early and like these websites are put up so that fans can understand the lore of these albums but at the same time they are like a huge band like a huge like pop band that's like on frequently on the radio um so it's this weird it's 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 very strange to me personally yeah, this can maybe segue us into talking about the album proper, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, I I think they do something lyrically that's very similar to what a lot of boy bands do. You'll hear this in like <laughs> most, like if you listen to the first three One Direction albums, you'll hear this a lot. It's, it's you know, it's, you know, every, in terms of songwriting, everything is you or mm-hmm. us. And it's like, it's like creating this sense that it's personal, but really everything is so vague that mm-hmm. it could apply to anyone. Exactly. And I, I definitely heard that on a lot of different songs in this album. I just listened to this album uh, for the first time in probably a year or so, moments before we mm-hmm. uh, started recording. <laughs> So yeah, where do you want to begin with the album? Oh, um, I got no idea. Um, I could I could say a little bit about everything. I think um, I, I I mean I'm not like I'm not the biggest um, I guess like music critic, if you will. I kind of listen to things to like mm-hmm. enjoy the fan base and like enjoy concert experience and just like the overall vibes of the band. So if you want to start with that, because I know um, you kind of like that kind of stuff, um, you are free to, and I will chime in if I have anything to say but yeah I'm more into the like concert scene and the fan base and stuff like that so all right so yeah if that's the case I think we can maybe just sort of go from one track to the next and kind of I can kind of go into my thoughts on each of them and uh we'll see we'll see where we land with that so the album opens with uh Heavy Dirty Soul one of my faves yeah, listening to it this time, I really like the uh, the breakbeat drums that come in in the intro and are kind of there throughout the song. Mm-hmm. I like the um, the instrumentation a lot. Uh, like like a, a lot of songs on this album, and I think it's part of the reason that this album has developed such a reputation. It, it has this very like memorable hook. Yeah, it, it it just you know it's there's a lot of songs this album. Some of the hooks are like annoying or you know overdone or whatever but they they like stick with you and heavy dirty soul is definitely one of those mm-hmm. um and in terms of instrumental stuff also near the end you know things get really interesting there's like a a, a cool solo as i recall mm-hmm. um what, what i think kills this song and it's something that comes back a couple times it, it's the uh the weakness of the of the rap verses yeah 
Um, you've, you've got lines like, uh, my the zombies walking around with a limp and a hunch saying stuff like you only live once. Uh, I think the concept behind these verses is to be frenetic and all over the place, but like, you've got these, these rudimentary and kind of, um, uh, God, what's the word? The, 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 the lyrics that feel like they're talking down to the audience at certain yeah. points. And, and when you combine that with like, this lack of flow that, that sort of compensated with like vocal effects it, it it gives the impression of someone who's very concerned with sounding impressive but not so much with the actual craft i guess yeah that totally makes sense mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i like i said um i like music because it makes me feel good um and mm -hmm. heavy dory soul is definitely a song that like is on like I, I would describe it as a song that's on all of my workout playlists. It's very fast. Uh -huh. It's very upbeat. It's very like once you. It's very satisfying to know the lyrics, um, but the lyrics aren't good. Um, so and like <laughs> if you actually like learn, you could learn all the lyrics to Heavy Dirty Soul and not be able to like recite them the same way that Tyler does because like you said, there's like absolutely no like rhythm to it or and it's like yeah. it's very off and like you try so hard to like keep up with him and then he's just like he doesn't he doesn't have any sort anything there. Um yeah but it is it is a very like fun song and it's a very good opener I think especially like you hear it I think he started pretty much every blurry face live show with it because it's just like you said it's like there's a hook there. It's just it's so fast yeah. and so sudden and um even the music video is just like it's like a car chase like not like a car chase but it's like car speeding down the road and it was actually like the last mm -hmm. um music video that came out for the album ironically even though it's the first song on the album um which I, a lot of people theorized was like to to symbolize like how the cycle of like mental illness like continues on and on because it's like it starts and then it ends and then it just keeps going and going um but yeah heavy dirty soul is um it's definitely fast and fun, but like you said, I think the lyrics um, are not good. Sure. I don't know if I have anything additional to say that. I guess it does make sense that it is a very good intro and mm -hmm. it's one of the more memorable songs. And there are a lot of memorable songs on this record, but that one definitely sticks with you, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so the next song is Stressed Out, which is obviously, as we said before, it's the 21 Pilots <laughs> song. On, yeah. 10 times platinum, won a Grammy, the first rock song to reach a billion streams on Spotify. That's wild. Uh, and, but, you know, listening to it like with fresh ears for this, for this playthrough, I definitely see why it was such a big hit. Mm -hmm. Like the, the production is excellent. It's by uh, Mike Elizondo, who used to be Dr. Dre's in-house bassist. Mm -hmm. He worked on uh, In the Club, The Real Slim Shady. He produced uh, the Fiona Apple album, Extraordinary Machines. He got nominated for producer of the year in 07. And, you know, it's just this really like full and interesting pop production. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's very well done but it also comes on the early end of this wave of like down tempo vaguely caribbean sounds in pop that you see a lot of in like mm -hmm. 2016 2017 i feel like this was definitely it's definitely got in early on that um and i think it also helps that this song is it's place in the album is essentially a summary of 
themes. Yeah. So like where a lot of the songs later in the album become very entrenched in the story. This one, you know, Blurry Face represents insecurity. And this song is basically, I'm insecure and I wish I wasn't. Yeah. Tyler's flow is still not great. His like- It's never great. This Caribbean accent that he always slips into on this album. It's it's pretty grating, but- uh, it, it comes together, I think, on this one better than on, on Heavy Dirty Soul, actually. Yeah. Um, I always like the, the line about uh, smell unlocking memories. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really cool little thing that's like kind of tangential to the point of the song, but it's like really well developed. And I also like the like pitch down outro. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of cool little moments. Yeah, uh, stressed out is. Um, it, I think also the time period that it came out helped it to kind of get boosted like that because I think a lot of people joke that like 2016 was the last time they felt happy, um, and that it was just like a very overall like stressful year. And so I've seen a lot of people be like, "Oh, I like stressed out because it's like it's so relatable, especially like this year and stuff like that." Um, but like you're saying, yeah, I think it also like it it there's like a nostalgia factor to it, how he like talks about his family and, you know, talks about his childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but then it also gets into like blurry face. And so you have all these, like, it's this like really popular song. And then he's like talking about like the lore of the album. So you kind of get like the like diehard fans with that, but you get the like people who don't really know who they are with like the other factors of it. Um, And the music video is also just really fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> with them on their little like their little bikes. I think it's just a very like it's a very bikes, yeah. relatable song. Um, where a lot yeah. of Twenty One Pilots songs sometimes aren't because they're either talking about like the industry or they're like trying to get into the lore of the album or they're talking about like Tyler's personal experiences with like religious trauma and um, mm-hmm. feelings of inadequacy that are like very specific to him. Um, but I think Stressed Out is just very like it's general in a good way. Um, a lot of people can yeah I would say I would say also that like there are a lot of songs on this album that are clearly catering to an adolescent audience mm-hmm. and this song it feels like the most adult song on the album yeah. in a lot of ways even though it's explicitly about like wanting to be a kid mm-hmm. it just you know it, it, it feels like something that a 28 year old wrote more yeah, so yeah. than <laughs> a lot of songs on this album so the next track is uh Ride I love Ride and uh this song is kind of famous for having uh, an annoying chorus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you know, that's, I, I feel like this is, I feel like for a lot of people, Stressed Out was like whatever. And then Ride being uh, maybe the second biggest hit on this album, yeah, the, the, you know, it was a song that people heard and they were like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it has the energy of like a of like an evil Jason Mraz song. Yeah, <laughs> uh, w- which is which is an energy that like listening to the album this time I heard that over and over again. Uh, mm. And we'll we'll get into it, but like I think I think dark Jason Mraz is a good way to describe so uh, a lot of the vibe of this album. Uh, it's like fine to listen to, but I I feel like by the end of it. I've like, like the aftertaste isn't great on mm-hmm. this song. You know, the, the verses, some of them don't make a lot of sense, but they're like, you know, enjoyable. They have a nice mm-hmm. rhythm to them. The, the, the chorus, in addition to like the whoa, 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 which is the thing everyone talks about, <laughs> the metaphor doesn't really add up. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, because it's like, I, cause like, I'm falling, so I'm taking my time. And like, you know, the, the, like you could say you're taking a, your time on a ride, but even isn't the point of a ride that like it's on a track? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't really control it, and may, like maybe it's like about about like enjoying that. But even so, like to say you're taking your time once you're falling, 
there's not much time to take. Right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also very just like, I think it appeals to, like you're saying that a lot of this album appeals to adolescents. I think the idea of like, I'm falling, so I'm taking my time appeals to a lot of Tumblr kids who are like, mm. oh, I'm mentally ill and crazy. Uh, <laughs> which like um is not a good thing but um right. it, it still goes crazy i think the fast tempo too it's it's like a faster version of stressed out um if you're talking mm. of kind of just about like mainstream i don't mainstreamness isn't a word but i'm gonna say mainstreamness because right. i think like as a like a high school kid listening to twilight pilots um I always preferred Ride to come on the radio because it was faster and I felt like more of like a true fan being able to sing Ride as opposed to stressed right. out. Um, I mean, that just might be a personal thing, but I think that's a pretty, I think a lot of people that were like in the fandom preferred Ride a lot more than stressed out. I think they like, even though you heard them both pretty equally on the radio and like out in public, um, stressed out kind of got old quicker because I think a lot of people didn't like how slow it was. Um, but I think the end of Ride sucks. Um, I think it's just really yeah, long I, that, and boring. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, because there's there's this I've been thinking too much refrain that comes in first on the bridge. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is kind of cliche, you know, like, like, like I it's not really saying anything, you know, <laughs> in, in yeah. many words. And then and then it comes back again. And it's so long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just, it's so long. It just, and it gets slower and slower. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and I think that that like adds into what I said before about how like by the end of the song you're kind of worn out yeah yeah I think um personally I think Blurry Phase is a no skip album but I think <laughs> some of the songs I will skip halfway through them I don't think it's a like a no right. like fully skip but like the end of Ride I'm like okay let's move on <laughs> like I get it yeah it's it. like I got it I got it <laughs> so the next song is fairly local, which is probably the first the the first song on this album that I consider bad. Really? Uh, yeah, you've got this this dubstep production that feels super dated and like odd. It, it feels like it's trying to replicate what Linkin Park was doing like three five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and this one was produced by uh, Ricky Reed, who is a pretty hit or miss producer he obviously did talk dirty which i think was his biggest hit but he you know it's a big hit maker the same year he did he, he produced like 10 songs on this album the same year he did uh bills by lunch money lewis which is really good but um i don't know i just felt the, the this felt production wise like j j just like strange choices kind of annoying um I, I, I it was also the like the first single on this album and i think it was mm -hmm. chosen was it really like that because yeah. Huh. I, I didn't even realize that. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think it was chosen as the lead single because it's like so directly addressing the fans. Mm -hmm. You know, it even has this like self fulfilling prophecy about not making it on. Yeah. The I was radio. about to say that. I think um, that's <laughs> what a lot of people remember about Fairly Local is the, yo, this song would never be on the radio, even if a quick word of pick and yeah. vote. It's like, um, like you said, it's it's very ironic considering it blew up and was therefore on the radio. <laughs> I, I feel like this this song is is a moment in the album where that, that really gets into this like world building, mm -hmm. you know, hint dropping kind of element of the band. And when you when you consider how integral that was to the rollout, I guess it that also, you know, it makes sense that this was one that they chose for a single. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just uh the like 
uh, you know, I sort of talk about that line, but the next line is the whole, it's the few, the proud, the emotional. And that like line in and of itself is like huge in the like Tuan Pilots fan yeah. base. It shows up over and over again. It shows up in trench, not few, the proud, emotional, but FPE in general. It's like a meta, like right. a acronym that comes up again and again entrenched in skilled and icy. Um, and it's supposed to represent like the fan base. And so um, like you're saying, yeah, I think this song definitely, it appeals to the fans. Um, I think that the whole, like Twan Pilots tried so hard to pretend that they were still a small band um, in this song and being like, oh, well, like we'll never be on the radio. And like, we're, we're just like, we're still struggling artists. And it's like, you're not like, <laughs> you're a, you're a yeah. pretty Before about Seth Meyers yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. <laughs> I will say though that the music video is very pretty. Um, mm. And I just, I like the production quality on it. I think it's a very like, the cool colors contrast really well with the whole like black and red blurry face. And I think it's just very, it's very pretty. Sure. The point I was going to make about appealing to the fan base is that this song feels as, parts of this album feel as much like a um, sales pitch as they do a concept album. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll get into that as we go on. So the next song is Tearing My Heart, which on this listen is my favorite song on the album. It's so good. I love Tearing My Heart. It's really good. It's it, Like I said, it was the first 21 Pilot song that I had ever heard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's really good. It still holds up. It, 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 yeah, it opens with that. Uh, it opens with this this chant, which is, hello, how are you in Korean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, some, it's something that they say at concerts sometimes. Mm-hmm. The thing that I found weird was that, like, it obviously starts with that, but then like the video was shot in Chinatown. Yeah. And it opens with it opens with Japanese text, uh, and and you know Twenty One Pilots had a had an early following in Japan. They tour in East mm-hmm. Asia a lot, so like they clearly decided a long time ago they're going to incorporate those elements into their music. But the like mishmash of of different you know Asian yeah. cultures is definitely kind of accomplishing the opposite of what they intended. Well, yeah, it's a little cringe. I think at one point Josh mentioned that he was like really interested in like Korean culture and wanted to learn Korean. That's sort of, I think why they put that bit in the beginning of the song is because like, it was like the first thing he learned how to say when he was like learning um, or something like that. Um, But yeah, yeah, like you're saying, I think a lot of their merch also has like Korean and like Japanese text on it. um, And it's like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. These white boys at it again. Yeah, I do like I do like just that chant in the song. And yeah. like I said, I like the song. I don't really have any complaints about it. It's also, I will say, like very atypical for a 21 pilot song mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I don't want that to detract from it because, you know, it's a good 21 pilot song, but it, you know, it has this kind of Franz Ferdinand or Death Cab for Cutie feel to it. There's like, there's these parts where he's, you know, where, where, where he's like shouting a little bit and you're reminded of Modest Mouse almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's a great song and I've, I've no complaints about it. Yeah, well, I think um, it's funny that you say that it's like very atypical for a Tom Pop song because I believe Tyler said in the behind the scenes for the music video that it was the first love song he's ever written. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's had lovely which like could vaguely be seen as a love song but it's like not like he's never really explained what it's about but he said in tear my my heart he was like i never thought i would write like a sappy like love songs and then i met my wife um and then i wrote tear my heart and so um that might explain it is that like it's kind of his first um delve into like any sort of 
like romance centered song. Um, and there's now after Blurry Face, every album has at least like one song that's about Jenna, um, which is mm-hmm. his wife. Um, and yeah, um, but yeah, I like Turn My Heart a lot. I think the music video, although like you're saying, a little bit strange that it's where it's shot um, is again, very pretty. I love that it's shot. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it has the bars on the top. So it's more like cinematic. Um, and I just, I think it's pretty. Like I said, I think a lot of Tornado Pals music videos are very just like pretty. <laughs> yeah, good good visuals for sure. Mm-hmm. So the next song is Lane Boy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the accent is back. The uh, not the not great rapping is back. Uh, the highlight of this one, I would say, is the drum solo at the end. Yeah. There's you know, Josh like with carries. a lot of these songs. Yeah, like with a lot of these songs, there's always some like really cool instrumental stuff happening. And it's, you know, it's always like kind of above and beyond what Tyler's doing. Mm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Interesting. So the, the song is about like, it, on a certain level, it's about like industry pressure to make hit songs, which, you know, as, as I talked about, it kind of addresses how like there are songs on this album that are definitely meant to be hits. Mm. And, and he says as much in the song. But I was also struck by the extent to which it's about how Tyler wants to rap, even though people keep telling him not to. (laughs) Which is really ironic because, again, um, Tyler, I said in interviews before that when he started making music, he did not want to rap. And he would tell his brother, he was like, I don't feel like I should rap because I'm a white boy from Columbus. And like, what do I have to say in like the rap industry? and his brother was always like, no, but like your raps are good. And like you, I'm like, he, his brother would usually say, he would literally say like, I'm not listening to your music until you start rapping in it. Um, and so it's funny that he has this like complete 180 where he's like, I should be allowed to rap because I'm cool yeah. and I do it well. And it's like, you don't like, yeah, you're allowed. I think he's, always, I know, I think. What? I was just going to quote the, uh, I wasn't raised in the hood, but I know a thing or two about pain and darkness. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's like, bad. It's a bad <laughs> and I will admit that Lane Boy for a while was like one of my favorite songs on the album. And I think, again, it's because it's fast. I love fast songs. I love songs that make me feel good. Um, I love songs Absolutely. that I feel accomplished when I know all the lyrics to because um, mm-hmm. I learned a lot of these songs when I was in high school and when I didn't want to be a poser. Um so I think that's very appealing. Um, but yeah, the lyrics are like not good. I think the beat's pretty okay. Um, and I think the like the the bridge, especially if you watch if you see it live, is like phenomenal. It's so fun. It's it's kind of like a um a break where he literally tells everyone in the crowd to like get on their knees. Um, and like go low and then once the song picks up again um the the, the hazmat guys from the music video come out and start spraying the crowd with like smoke not smoke but you know what i mean um and everyone just yeah. goes like crazy there's like strobe lights and stuff um and so it's very fun like in that sense um the lyrics are horrendous though and uh the overall right. concept is just like again very strange i think he sort of has this whole um thought in his mind that like what he's doing isn't rap because like he, he, he I think he said before he was like oh, what I'm doing isn't rap it's just me talking fast because I want to get all my uh thoughts out on the table and so he's like under this impression that he's like making a new genre so he can't be infringing on rap but it's like 
what you're doing is basically rap and you should like learn, you know, the history and like the influences of rap on what you're doing before you try and like right. say that you're making a new genre. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it was in reference to that line about not making it on the radio where he was talking about how, like, as soon as you, you know, talk in this certain rhythm, it becomes rap and they don't play it mm. on the rock stations and it, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like he's so clearly taking this influence from like Lincoln Park and the you know he said that the first the first music he ever listened to was was DC Talk which mm-hmm. was a you know a rap rock group and I, th- I think he's definitely influenced by that genre so for him to be like acting like it's not rapping is yeah. very is, is, you know it's a lot I mean even in Heavy Dirty Soul there's the, he literally says this is not rap this is not hip-hop um and it's like well <laughs> You are being influenced by those genres. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Maybe it is. Yeah. So the next track is uh, The Judge. And okay. this is another song that very much feels like evil Jason Mraz. <laughs> yeah. I was saying. Uh, it's one of maybe two songs on the album so far that feels like it's really entrenched in the blurry face concept. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 it feels, it feels like up until this point, the, the, like this more so than any other song up to this point is actually about what the album's about. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. And uh, there's, you know, these elements of like the internal conflict and self-hate and guilt that are like, you know, the, the, the big themes of the album, mm-hmm. they've kind of been like present in the background up until this point. And now it's like this, 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 this is about a conflict, this yeah. is, you know, the, these like religious the the religious illusions that have been here kind of up to this point are now like right in your face yeah i was about to say it's a very um religious uh fueled song yeah and maybe that's the idea like to at this point in the album be like now everything starts to make sense Mm -hmm. um but even though it's kind of conceptually all over the place i do like this song i like the judge i like the judge i feel like if i if it was like on the radio, I would get really annoyed by it, but like, it's, you know, it, it, I, I like the instrumentation. I do like how like the tempo shifts and it mm-hmm. like gets, gets kind of, gets kind of crazy. And then it has this, you know, it scales back to this ukulele thing that like on its own could be uh, annoying, but like, I think, I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much to say on the judge. I think it's like, it's, it's okay. Um, it's, it's good. At, the concerts, I feel like it, I keep calling talking about concerts and I apologize for that. Um, but no, it's great. Um, at the concert, it's definitely like a, a fan driven song because there's one point uh, in the song, I, I literally, I know the exact, like it's at 425 in the song. Um, Tyler uh-huh. just like yells Josh Don. And so like, that's like a kind of like a inside joke, like quote unquote inside joke within like the fan base. Um, and so like the whole, when you see the judge in concert, it's very funny. Cause like you're saying, it's like, it's kind of the first time where he's actually putting this concept on the table, but at the concert is very much a joke because like all of the, um, all the visuals that they're showing are just like pictures of Josh's face. Um, and it's so, it's like the Josh Dunn song at that point. Um, right. And so it's like, I, I kind of can't listen to it anymore without thinking about that because it's just like, at, at that point, it's kind of like, it's just funny. <laughs> um, that's crazy. Yeah. Cause in my research, you know, there's the song from Tyler's album that's about uh, Taco Bell mm-hmm. that, that became like a, a, you know a joke within the fan base it's, it's crazy for like the you know this kind of pivotal song on the album to, to yeah. be taken the same way uh but but I like that I like that yeah it's cute um he like tweeted about it once he was like 
I want everyone at the concert to yell Josh Dunn when I do. Um, and so I think that, that was kind of when um, it shifted into that kind of song. But yeah. The next song is Doubt, uh, which I don't know if it's the worst song on the album, <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's... I feel like it's the least noteworthy. It's yeah, yeah definitely hundred percent. I was just about to, I liked out as a song. I think it's very fun, mm-hmm. but I think um it's the one song that I would forget about if I was like listening them all. Yeah, it's like you know, it's very mid tempo. The hook is pretty weak, mm-hmm. and you know, even thematically, it doesn't really add much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I guess it's kind of bringing in these themes that become more apparent in the coming songs but it just feels like they could have taken this out and it wouldn't change anything mm-hmm. uh yeah and like and like fairly local i think there's definitely some lincoln park influence on this song but it's just not in a in a very interesting way yeah um it is the first song where they start talking about bishops though which eventually become like a really mm-hmm. big thing in the lore um which is it's funny because like you're saying it's a very like a lot of people forgot about that a lot of people were just like oh like no i got the bishops okay it's like whatever it's either like a religious thing or just like a play on words and then it became like kind of chess right yeah i was like oh like chess (laughs) (laughs) and then it becomes like probably the most iconic part of like the trench lore and it's like Mm -hmm. what does doubt have to do with trench um Mm -hmm. and no one's ever been able to put it together like if the song itself has like anything to do with the next album or if it was just like him starting this universe um yeah i wonder if there's a chess interpretation of this album (laughs) So, so track nine is uh, Polarize. I another, love Polarize. Another, Not gonna lie. Another iconic one. Yeah. And this is another, this is another Mike Elizondo produced track. Um, you know, very strong production, uh, very memorable hook once again. Uh, in terms, again, thematically, this idea of polarizing, it, it's like the first moment in the album where it feels like there's movement, mm-hmm. like, like, like something is happening, you know, this this internal conflict is, you know, like, like they're throwing new things at it. It's, yeah. If you imagine it, like, uh, like Wiley Coyote is, you know, he's bringing out the, you know, whatever new Acme contraption at this point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, I, I, this is where I started to get the feeling that like the back half of this album is more like about the concept and yeah. like the first half was just front loaded with hits. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. I'm like, I have the track list next to me right now. Um, and looking at it, I think, you are 100% right in that work. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I like Polarize. It's not my favorite, but it's good. It might be. If it's not my favorite, it's one of my top three. Um, sure. I think it's really fun. Again, I really like fast songs. I really like songs that like have like, um, sort of just like hard hits. Um, I think it's, um, I think uh, looking back on it, like the way that I think a song is good is that if I can think of an like an animation to it in my head, I'm like, oh, this mm. this is a good song. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and like polarized, I can definitely like imagine an entire um, an entire big thing in my head. So that's why I like it personally. They never play it live though. Um, I think they played it like mm. once. That's interesting. It yeah. feels like it would be a good live song. I yeah. don't, know. <laughs> I don't, don't know what the story is there. Uh, the next track is "We Don't Believe What's on TV." I like the instrumentation of this one a lot. I like the trumpet. I love the drums, uh, just the energy that it has. Yeah, I think (laughs) it's really strong. Um, The themes that return here that have been coming up in the last couple of tracks are of Tyler kind of 
selling himself and of the like, like i was talking about the sales pitch element and there's definitely on some on the like conceptual level it's about tyler like talking to you know his friends his family god his fans whatever mm-hmm. just being like you know just like pleading a case like like in the judge yeah. um but but then also obviously on some level it's like we're 21 violets come check us out yeah. <laughs> But the other theme that like is very present on this song and has been there a little bit before this point is as Lord would put it, my friends and I, we've cracked the code. Uh, you know, just, just that and this is something that comes up a lot in like pop punk and again, music that's like very directly appealing to adolescents. Just this idea of like, of like me and my friends are really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we're not conformists and we, you know, skateboard. we do kickflips yeah and and i i just feel like you know there's a place for both of those themes you know thematically in the album and that it's about um self-doubt and all that but Mm. i feel like because the audience is never identified and there's so much of like as i said this you and we that's at play there it, it 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 feels like it's you know it's a vague appeal to the audience yeah um that's like a this song was very, not, I don't want to say controversial in the fandom, but like um, that was a thing that was brought up a lot. It's like, who is this song about? Because there's some lines that are like, it make it feel like almost romance driven. And then there's other lines that are like very obviously like like put towards Josh as like a person. Um, and and then there's like just the whole, the general we of like, okay, is this about like the click? Like the click. Um, Right. And yeah, I think I think like you're saying there there's no identified audience, and um, so it's a very like vague song, and so like that's that's what has kind of is what has always made it difficult for me to like I I like We Don't Believe on TV again I like every song on this album I think it's overall a very good album um but it's always been hard for me to like figure out what it's about <laughs> and that makes it difficult for me to like fully enjoy it. Um, again, it's another song that's very fun live because they do a lot of audience participation with it. Um, all of the like one, two, threes are the audience. Um, and you kind of, if it's one of those songs where like you hear it live and now you like can't hear it recorded the same way because he like throws in a lot of like ad libs when he sings it live. Um, Mm. and so, and they're, they're, they're consistent. So like every time you hear it live, you hear those. And then when you hear it recorded again, it's like, you don't hear them suddenly. And it like, feels like a different song. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It, I, it's a standout for me. Really? Yeah. So the next track is uh message man. I like message man a lot. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> go off. So I like Unfortunately. The track. Like the previous track, there's some really strong instrumentation on here. Um, the accent is back. The the rapping is back. The questionable lyrics, uh, you know, stick out. The the hook, uh, please use discretion when you're messing with the message, man. These lyrics aren't for everyone. Only few yeah, understand. That's cringe. Not going to lie. That's cringe. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I get it. Okay. He, go, he goes on this diatribe on like the, the, the like rap verse near the end about how mm-hmm. it's like actually easy to rap in an impressive and ear-catching way, mm-hmm. which is interesting because like he can't really He's do not it. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Like, I don't know. Uh, and then the last line uh, of that verse, together we're losers, remember the future, remember the morning is when night is dead. That feels particularly like the kind of lyric someone would point out when talking about how 21 Pilots sucks. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's, like, it's so vague and, like, kind of nonsensical. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like pop artifice with, like, one extra layer of this is deep. And then, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, no, you're right. Acting, like, to make another Lord reference, it, it's we're on each other's team, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know the difference is that Lord was fifteen, sixteen when she wrote those songs, and Tyler Joseph was twenty eight yeah. uh, when he wrote these. So um, yeah, I don't know. Message Man uh, again, really strong instrumentation. Uh, not a favorite of mine. Yeah, I like Message Man. Um, I think that a lot of the lyrics are trying to hark back to like Bessel and self-titled in a way because there's a lot of songs on those that like have the heavy like night and day metaphors to represent like, like I think like Gun For Hands, Holding On To You. Um, there's others that I can't think of the lyrics off the top of my head right now, but um, the Sleepers version, which is kind of like the acoustic version that they do of their songs of Message Man, I think is like better than the original. Um, I really like, he does it like completely different tempo for the um, rappers and he slows it down a lot and he does this like incremental, like like he, his pitch like goes up incrementally and it's like, it's very like pleasing to the ears. Um, I just, like, like I said, I like music because I can imagine an animatic to it. And um, this is definitely one of those songs that has those like hard hitting beats that are like good for that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe I just like it because it makes me feel good, but like I can definitely agree that like the lyrics aren't the best. It just makes me happy. Um, but it is one of my favorite songs, unfortunately, because of that. Love that. So the next track is Hometown, which is another highlight for me. Yeah. Uh, might, might be, I, I think I think Behind Tear in My Heart, it's my favorite on the album. I think it's the m- most underrated song on the album, personally. I mean, I, I've never heard anyone talk about it, so I could definitely uh, agree with that. Uh, there's, there's got this glittery, like, Passion Pit kind of production. Once again, Mike Elizondo produced this one. Um, this one, even more so, I could see being inspired by uh, Team by Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I feel like the fact that it's a little more directly, like, they could have heard Team while they were writing this. I feel like that, you know, it, it makes more sense than just being like, this feels it was like it was written by a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um on previous listens this song hasn't stuck out to me but like when i did this really in-depth listen i was like oh this is really good mm-hmm. it's just it makes me feel like it's it's one of the like only slow-ish songs that like i really enjoy um like thoroughly and like can really just like sink into um because like you're saying i love the like just like this like glittery like um i, I don't know music terms but i just I, it makes me feel good um and um I do think it's very funny though, because um, hometown can be taken two ways in the sense of like, um, sort of just like uh, a group of people who don't belong in the sense of like, you don't really have a hometown, which is like my hometown's in the dark. Um, or it can be taken as Columbus, Ohio, um, which I think right. is a very funny interpretation of the song to imagine Columbus, yeah. Ohio in the dark. Um, Cause it's just stupid. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I like hometown. Um, it's, not a song that I enjoyed on like my first listen, like you were saying. Um, it didn't really stick out to me. Um, it was very slow. It was just kind of it's like at towards the end of the album, so you've like heard a lot of stuff already. Um, but you listen to it on repeat, and 
it's good <laughs> it's really nice yeah um and once again they don't play it live a lot they, i think they only play it during columbus shows yeah and talking about that hook that's sort of the i mean i love the um not that hook but like the the, the like quieter hook that comes before it and mm-hmm. uh there's um the line about uh you know our hometown is in the dark or whatever it, it was that was the thing that reminded me more directly of the Lord song where mm. she says uh, we live in cities you never see on screen yeah. uh, and you know you could see that once again as being about living in ruins of a palace within our dreams uh, or it could just be about living in like New Zealand right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I yeah I uh, I like that song a lot mm-hmm. the next song is not today uh, which is another song I think is all right um, yeah, I feel like AJR heard I feel like AJR heard this song and they were like that's the one. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's like it's like the scene in Back to the Future. It's like their cousin called them, and they were like, "You gotta hear this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the I really like the outro. I like the instrumental a lot. This is another Mike Elizondo production. His, mm-hmm. you know, the songs that he produced are consistently my highlights on this album. But um, the uh, I felt it was kind of weird when he was like. Uh, the song's a contradiction because of how happy it sounds, but the lyrics are so down mm. because I feel like the the first verse is is down because it's, you know, that that self-doubt that's been there the whole album. But mm-hmm. the rest of the song feels like it's it feels like it earns its upbeatness. It feels like this yeah. is, you know, breaking out into the world. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I haven't listened to that today in a while, um, but I think it's one it's I think it's the song that like throws back to Vessel the most um I think it has those similar because like the whole joke with Vessel is that like oh these songs are like so upbeat and peppy but they're about like wanting to die (laughs) um Mm. and even like Tyler has joked about that he's like yeah I like writing songs that are like really fun to listen to but like have really like sad lyrics um but I think it's I think Not Today is definitely like a strange, in a strange spot on the album because it's right before the end, but it's like, it's it's sandwiched by Hometown, which is very slow and Goner, which is very sad. And then like you're saying, it kind of earns this upbeatness. Um, so when you kind of have all these songs that are like, like you have We Don't Believe This on TV, which is kind of peppy, Message Man, which is like faster, but then you're like, you feel like you're starting to slow down and then you get hit by Not Today. And then you're slowing down again. Yeah um and I think that's what makes it hard for me like for it to be memorable for me um I do think that like you're saying doubt is like lyrically and like production wise like less memorable but I think not today just like because of its place on the album I always forget that it exists Mm. I always think we're going straight from hometown to goner that's interesting I I I, you know I, I might not have been as committal when I started talking about it but now that I've like remembered it and I, I think it's also a highlight for me, not today. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a good song. And I think if it was in a different place, I would like it a lot more. But I literally just always forget that it exists. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last song is uh, Goner. Um, it sure is. <laughs> it sure is. This is a point where... There are a lot of points in this album that are ambiguous and there's a lot of debate to be had about, you know, the different interpretations that people have for it versus the idea that they might just not mean anything. Mm -hmm. And I, I I feel like the, I feel like the album's lack of clarity catches up to it on this last song. And because it really like, it's not clear how you're supposed to feel 
at the end you mm-hmm. know it's that like it's like is this a win or a loss or like, like is it like a pyrrhic victory like like it just you know it's it's so sad for most of it and then it has this really aggressive part and then it drops out again yeah. and it's like but it's like the previous song was supposed to be the fight so is this like is this death or is this like i i just i feel like it's really ambiguous and part of that is that like there are so few lyrics and they're all so kind of nebulous and open to interpretation Mm -hmm. It, it, it it it's a weak closer in my opinion yeah i think um they they always end uh concerts with trees because it's just like um tradition for them but they always so like you kind of don't you kind of take trees out of the equation when you're talking about how they close their uh, their concerts um so they usually close blurry face concerts with goner um and i think the visuals add to it a lot um i think it kind of hark it kind of goes back to the idea that i was mentioning before of how like blurry face is very cyclical because like you know the first song was the last music video and even the last music video like um the at the end you can kind of hear um, I th- it's either the beginning of Goner or like the beginning of Harry Potter Soul again. So it like it's very it's like loops, and I think that's kind of what Goner is trying to be is that it's like this fight is never over, and so it's like it has this like very fast part of this like trying to fight and win, and then it's like slow again, which is showing that like that fight wasn't won, and but you're still going, but you're like tired, and I think um, the original version of the song is also very good. Um, and has like a completely different meaning to it. It's very quiet and sad um, to the point, like he's playing a, what are the things, like an accordion in it. And um, mm. the sound of it being pulled again, sounds like uh, like a tightened rope, like t- mm. uh, swinging. Um, and so it's very obviously like a metaphor for suicide. Um, mm. And I like it as a song. And I think it would have been better as a standalone kind of like that um I think you're right when you say that like it it's not a good closer I think it's 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 a good like finalization but I don't think of the album like I think the end of the song is very good I like how it yeah leads up and then drops down again but I don't think it yeah does well for the album as a whole exactly I think it's good to end an album with a song that works like that and mm-hmm. you know the you know if it like emotionally it does it it feels very good but it just sort of leaves you like conceptually like what was that supposed to mean yeah I feel exactly. like, you know and I feel like that can sort of segue us into some some more general thoughts on this album because mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I do think that there is uh, a recurring issue of being kind of noncommittal about the themes and just presenting them in a way where the the moment, the more thematic songs are also the less like concrete ones. Mm -hmm. And then the more concrete songs are the ones that don't really have anything to do with the album's concept. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think Blurry Face was like, Tyler like dipping his toes into the conceptual album Waters because Trench mm-hmm. definitely feels like there was a lot more behind it and uh, like this isn't an episode about Trench but um there was like a year's worth of lore leading up to just the release of Trench um and mm-hmm. even Tyler has said in interviews he's like people haven't figured out the entirety of Trench yet like there's still so many things that like you guys just haven't found um that I put in this album yeah. and so I think Blurry Face was like 
more to do with a character than a world, but I don't think they ever solidify like who that character is. And it, it's like become a joke even within the fan base because a lot of people ask interview questions that are like, who is Blurryface? And Tyler's like, I'm not telling. Um, and it's like, well, you're writing like a conceptual album like about this character. And this character is like frequently showing up and you're never really explaining like who they are um like if they're supposed to and like I think in a way Tyler wants to keep it ambiguous because he said before he's like oh like blurry face sort of like everyone has a blurry face and blurry face is supposed to just generally represent like insecurity but it's like if you're putting making an entire conceptual album about a character like make them a concrete character and like sure it can be vague for yeah. everyone else but like help us understand what your blurry face is and what you're fighting against in this album yeah I remember maybe we could do a trench episode eventually but I remember like like listening to jumpsuit and just being like I have no idea what's going on here. yeah jumpsuit is like, a very much like if you listen to like what the lore was going into it it was like oh like this is the this is all the lore is leading up to this moment and now the entirety of trench right. is a story right <laughs> but yeah I just I I think that um you know and there was so much that went into like the rollout and the design for the album yeah. I read this interview with someone who was like one of the head designers for it who was talking about like you know coming up with all these different logos and how like mm -hmm. each of the spots represents one of the songs on the album yeah. and you know the 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 fact that blurry face is crossed out except for the letter u and mm -hmm. like, like like there's it, it's so overdone in terms of conceptualizing the rollout yeah. And the the album itself feels uh, conceptually half-baked at times. Even when you blur the album cover, because like the whole thing is like blurry face, if you blur the album cover, it turns into the symbol. Like the way that it's mm. um, just colored, like turns it into the like line dash slash. And so like everything about, and that I think the, no, I'm thinking of a different person. But like, yeah, the lead designer like put so much into that album. To the, I like, I was reading another thing where he was like, they s simplified the the logo so that it matched what people were putting in their Instagram bios. But people would always put like the little symbol in their Instagram bios, and they simplified it like just for them. And so like this whole album is like, yeah. oh, it's about like the fan base, and it's about like us, like as like we are Twenty One Pilots. Like that's what they always end their concerts with. It's like, oh, we are Twenty One Pilots. But then like there's this blurry face character who is very obviously right. like, so intimately attached to Tyler and he never explains like what it is. And he constantly tries to make it vague of like, oh, well, it's like all of our blurry faces, but it's like, then who is blurry face? Like, who is this man? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's, you know, I mean, clearly it was very effective to the extent that its goal was to do that thing I was talking about where like you're speaking to you but it could be anyone like and a, so you're like drawing you're you're selling people on the band like I was saying yeah. I feel like it was very successful in that regard there's a Bo Burnham quote that um I if I'm repeat stuff that I won't be able to quote um precisely but has that exact um like concept the whole thing of like oh I'll be vague enough so that everyone thinks it's about them um mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole idea of like, oh, like we are Toyon Pilots, like this band, it's like, it's about us. And like the us is never stated to be the band. It's never stated to be the fan base. It's never even stated to be like a more general audience of like anyone who listens to this album. It's just kind of like us. 
<laughs> like you, me, yeah. us. Uh, and I guess like in terms of the music, um, like I said, there are a lot of very memorable hooks on this album and like, you know, just, just sounds that stick with you. Um, lyrically, mostly not good. Uh, there, you know, there, there's a certain element where people who, who, who aren't kind of trained in writing hip hop will will have a lot more trouble writing like faster lyrics than mm. slower lyrics and it definitely feels like like he's so um like, like he's so conceptual when it comes to like what he's trying to say with his lyrics that when he has to like say a lot of them at once and make it all rhyme he runs out of things to say really quickly yeah and i think that's even highlighted by a lot of the songs that have rap verses have really repetitive lyrics towards the end because like you're saying, he runs out of things to say, like Ride is like, it has these like two rap verses which are like fun and fast paced. And then half of the song is like the same lyric over and over again. Right. And it's like, just make a slower song. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had mentioned that a lot of the overall concept feels like uh, dark Jason Mraz. Mm -hmm. That's definitely, that's definitely the vibe of a lot of the Ricky Reed produced songs. And I like that. I like Jason Mraz mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, I like that energy for an album and um and the songs I really like are a lot of the songs that are produced by Mike Elizondo a lot of the songs that are kind of outside of the of the typical 21 Pilots oeuvre where the um the more like rap rock songs I feel like they they don't handle that very well mm -hmm. uh as much as the as much as the more pop leaning ones um so yeah, overall, I, I have mixed feelings on this album. Yeah, um, I definitely, it was one of my favorite Tom Wilds albums. I mean, it still is one of my favorite Tom Wilds albums. Um, but it's one of those things where like, the more you listen to it, the more it's like, oh, I like this because I was a mentally ill kid in high school. Like, not because it was like spectacularly produced. Um, and sure. sort of like all those lyrics that you thought were like deep and like meaningful, like when you were in high school, like they aren't, like they're just Tyler being sad and like 28. Yeah, any yeah. any closing thoughts? Um, oh, I found that Bo Burnham quote. Um, the, so okay. yeah, repeat stuff. He says, um, I love my baby and you know, I couldn't live without her, but now I need to make every girl think this song's about her just to make sure that they spread it like the plague. So I describe my dream girl is really, really vague, which is like, I think, mm -hmm. um, Obviously, Bo Burnham's is a like a critique of that, but um, I think Tom Powell's falls into that category of sometimes of like, um, I'm going to profit off of mentally ill kids' um, lamentations about life, um, which sucks because like you could argue that like okay, Tyler's yeah. just talking about like his own personal like mental health and stuff like that, but um, mm -hmm. when you start to like like you're saying when you start to like bring this we into it and like make it like a collective like group um and you're trying to like bring all these kids into like this in group of like mentally ill like crazies yeah. it's like it's, this this doesn't feel right like <laughs> and that's a that's especially apparent on heathens i think yeah that song is really bad um but yeah i just i think they're making th that kind of like of like broad focus grouped pop music specifically for the crowd that is put off by that kind of music they, yeah they, they, you know it's it, it's this weird kind of um subversively doing the same thing yeah. i guess i think that was the failure of skilled and icy and that's a thing for another day mm. um but it's so pop leaning um and all the kids who like 
like Twenty One Pilots because it wasn't pop because it was like underground. Like for a, <laughs> I'm putting so many quotes around that. Right. Um, like all these kids who liked Twenty One Pilots because they were like different and they like oh like Tyler Joseph knows what like I'm feeling and like I'm like in this in group because like I'm part of the band. Um, I think Tyler like really this kind of like like I think they they um don't they once Tyler Joseph started going pop with Gil and Icy all those fans were like oh now they sold out and like now they're poppy um but it's like they've always sold out they just had like a edgy little sprinkle in there that like caught you um I don't know if those yeah that makes sense but um Sure. And, and I think that's probably also why I, I tend to like the stuff where they lean more into pop, because I, I think it's a little more honest in a way. Yeah. And just like they're they're also just good at making pop music. Yeah, they and, are. I like, really enjoy not, their music. And like not great at making rap rock, like I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, you know, I think Josh is a great drummer and they, you know, they've had a lot of excellent production stuff on their albums. And if they uh, and, you know, their 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 ly- lyrical pitfalls, I think are helped when they when they lean more towards pop yeah because um i think i and this is getting a little further away from blur face and a little more towards Gilden icy but i think um the idea of like claiming pop music is um in a way like it sort of shows their recovery because like you have this whole album like blurry face which is about like um, like not being like the rest and like being different and like that makes you like insecure and like doubtful but then completely leaning into like unapologetically liking things that are mainstream feels like it feels like you understand yourself more because you're not hinging your entire personality on like being different you're like recognizing that like you can enjoy things that are mainstream but also like be an individual person um and because like that's kind of why I really like I've started I listening to pop music again like when I was in high school I was like oh pop music's bad because like everyone listens to it and like I'm different but like to like listen to something that it, everyone enjoys and recognize why everyone is enjoying it um but also recognize that I am an individual person who can like critically listen to these things and like enjoy other music on top of it is like it's showing me that I'm not that edgy mentally ill kid anymore it's showing me that like I have right. grown and I know how to like critically like like things yeah and and there are definitely acts that you know lean into pop music and it doesn't do it it, you know it's 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 not a good look for them and Mm -hmm. i mean i've been mentioning lincoln park so much in this episode and and as much as they've they've seen sort of a reevaluation, i think that their their later more pop leaning stuff was you know not as good as (laughs) as their earlier (laughs) stuff but it's because they were they were you know so great and revolutionary in this rap rock space Mm -hmm. and i I, I feel like 21 Pilots' strengths have always been in, you know, making hooks, yeah. like I keep saying, and, in, you know, ma- making these, you know, playing with these different sounds. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Tyler has said before in interviews where, like, they're a two-piece band. Like, half of what they're doing is going to be, like, computer-based and, like, electronic because, like, they don't have enough people in their band to have, like, a full, you know, bad um and totally right. into that stuff to lean into like the more poppy electronic like upbeat like like obviously you can bake stuff electronically that isn't upbeat but i think like tyler has always really liked making upbeat music even if it has like more like sad lyrics and so to just lean into like that upbeatness and to like 
do what you're good at, like, I think it's fine. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. Sure has. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for coming. I, you know, I was going to ask if there's anything you'd like to plug. Um, I might start streaming soon. If anyone wants to preemptively Ooh. follow me on Twitch, it is twitch.tv slash wolfboytuck. Um, I'll probably be streaming some Minecraft um, and maybe art too. Um, just whatever I feel like. But yeah, Excellent. that's going to be up soon. So. Love that. Love that. Thank you so much for coming out on short notice. Thank you to everyone who uh, is listening. And um, yeah, have a great rest of your day. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.